Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Husner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity, seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their guests' big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built vacation rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now, it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie. We'll start the show in just a minute, but first, a word from our premier brand sponsor, Casago, and co-sponsors, Guest Ranger and Good Neighbor Tech. Casago's founder, Steve Schwab, has been quoted as saying, you can only be a local in one place. This simple yet profound statement is the basis of Casago's franchise model, which allows locally owned vacation rental management companies the ability to compete at a national level by leveraging the systems, software, and support, the buying power of a much larger organization. As a Costco franchisee, you have the freedom to run your business with the support of a community of like-minded professionals while leveraging the economies of scale and buying power to increase profitability and reduce operating costs. Guest Ranger is the premier guest screening and chargeback protection solution. Leveraging AI, their tool effectively detects fraudulent activity, fake IDs, and underage guests while also performing comprehensive dynamic background checks. With Guest Ranger, businesses can rest assured that their customers are safe and secure. Good Neighbor Tech allows you to manage your properties remotely and intelligently, protecting your owners and your guests. Their smart Wi-Fi locks allow you to provide temporary access to home and garage from anywhere and keep track of when guests and service providers are in the property. Good Neighbor Tech provides the ability for you to collect email addresses from all guests staying in a property, not just the one who booked the reservation. Every guest who connects to the internet will see your branded welcome page and be prompted to provide their email address in order to connect to the Wi-Fi. Visit casago.com forward slash franchise, guestranger.com and goodneighbortech.com for more information. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of Vacation Rentals. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we're joined today with Graham Donahue, who is the group CEO of Sykes Holidays. Graham, welcome to the show. Welcome. Lovely to be here. So group CEO, that's a different title. Um, I think that bears some explaining to us. <laughs> yes, at least that. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I mean, um, yeah, um, it sounds grander than it probably is, but um, we are a group as an organization. We're a group of businesses. And so... When most people hear me or I'm talking, I'm generally talking through the lens of Sykes Holiday Cottages. Um, but actually, we're part of an umbrella group called the Forge, F-O-R-G, Holiday Group. Um, and that is a collection of different divisions and different brands that sit under um, the responsibility of myself as a CEO. Um, and so we have an agency business, which you'll be very familiar with, property manager. And we have 25 brands in that portfolio. And they manage about 24,000 properties, uh, mostly in the UK and in New Zealand. But then we have another business um, called Forest Holidays, which is in a different division. Um, we call it the Specialist Operator Division. And that's where we build ourselves and we manage and we own um, cabins in the forests in the UK, um, still to take people on holiday, have a really nice time. And then we have another business, um, which is in the division, a caravan business, where we have... Um, I guess static caravans. I think you probably know them in your market or static homes. We have six and a half thousand of them we look after. And then we have an international business as well. So 
my job as group CEO is to be the CEO of all those divisions and bring them all together under the umbrella of the Forge Holiday Group. Wow. Well, wow. that's that's a <laughs> heck of a job right there between yeah. different heck of a long answer as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. That's, that's so interesting, though. I it sounds like what what you have over there is extremely multidimensional. And we're excited to dive into your your history and just, you know, how business is going over there and the different uh, the different layers of the business that that you have. But is that the 24,000 rentals? Is that that encompasses all the different groups that you just mentioned? Yeah, it's thirty-one and a half thousand, including all of them. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you're must be. Are you the largest over overseas? No, no. I mean, no, not really. Uh, I mean, we're one of the largest exclusive because all of those properties and units we exclusively look after. I.e., we don't allow the owners to rent them out, or they don't. They're not rented out by you know any of our parties. Um, but no, there's 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 um, there's other. Um, providers out there, operators that have more supply than that, but they tend to have for a party um, properties, but they've syndicated them in from someone else. We're definitely obviously one of the largest. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. interesting. And, and, and we're the, the best and fastest growing. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Can you tell us a little bit about how, because you haven't always been in the, the rental business, if I'm not mistaken, that you didn't start out your professional career in this industry, right? No, 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 no. It, uh, it was a perfect calling and it found me. But no, my um, I've only had three jobs or big jobs in my career. The first one, at a very young age, um, I worked for a big tourism company uh, called TUI. Um, so TUI is one of the largest tourism yeah. companies in the world. Um, Touristic Union International, so a German-based sort of a company. And I, I joined that business when the internet... Um, wasn't really a thing. That's how long ago right. it was. Like, you know, we, <laughs> we had this idea that this thing called the internet might be quite uh, transformative, but it was mostly about um, retail shops, you know, travel shops, people, you know, buying holidays and shops and contact centers. Um, and over the seven years I was there, I became a director of that company at quite a, at quite a young age. And my, my job was to be a pain in the backside and just help educate this older business about the internet and e-commerce. It was so long ago, my job title was Director of New Media, because it was called... Oh, the wow. New, no, per se. The, the New Media, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, yeah, so I did that for seven years, and it was huge when I left. Um, I mean, we went from nothing to about three and a half billion pounds of sort of a turnover in seven wow. years. And I was lucky enough to look after lots and lots of brands all over Europe, Um so it was really interesting. I then went and had a, my second proper job. I worked for a financial services company that had a travel business. And that was called Money Supermarket. And oh. it was one of the largest IPOs in Europe um, um, when I joined them back in 2007. And they were an aggregator. So a price comparison website. They aggregated you know, the banks, insurance companies, credit cards, loans, mortgages, travel, um, huge um, sort of a business. And at the time when price comparison websites and aggregators, nobody had really heard of them. They were the first um, in the world and they were certainly the largest for a long period of time. So I was there for seven years. I was the managing director of that business and we had a travel business. And then I uh, weirdly retired for about a year. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, Got really good at gardening. Spend some time 
reacquainted myself with my two lovely children. And then I found uh, Sykes or Sykes found me. In fact, it was private equity because we're a private equity by company that sort of found me. And then they said, would like you to come and be the CEO of this business. And, and I looked at it and I'm, if I'm really honest, it was a small business compared to what I'd run before. But I just yeah, felt, wow. I fell in love with the category and I fell in love with the the, um, the opportunity because what I could see is this massive fragmentation of, you know, um, vacation rental market, you know, not just in the UK, but globally, an opportunity to use technology and service um, to scale the business, you know, really fast, really quickly through organic growth, but also through, you know, buying lots of other businesses and bolting them together and making them better. So, you know, and that was seven years ago. So wow. I might have a seven year itch, you know, it might just be the cycle <laughs> going through every, every seven years, I have to find something new, but it's, uh, it's been incredible and it's been good fun. Now, were you familiar with vacation rentals or short-term rentals prior to getting involved with Sykes or just, you know, just kind of knew of them, but none of your prior, prior roles had directly involved? Well, I mean, it, 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 to me, we had a couple of vacation rental type businesses. We had a villa business. Um, we also, um, owned a couple of businesses in Germany that was sort of doing vacation rental homes as well. And I guess because two were large, I was lucky enough to meet um, in the early days of my career, um, some people who were running some very big, interesting businesses. So, you know, early on, I met the original founders of Booking.com. We met the original founders um, of, um, I guess, what was Home and Away. And so, yeah, I had exposure to that sort of a category, but um, I didn't really realize how big it was or how fragmented it was. Um, and I guess all the different brands that existed globally that were doing it. Yeah, that's interesting. And we, we talk a lot on the show about how, you know, brands over on, on your side of the pond kind of operated similar to, similarly to some of the legacy brands on our side of the pond that are in, you know, key destination markets that a lot of companies um the one I was with uh, in particular and, and many others built their own software, you know, because there just wasn't options back, you know, 20 years ago. Um, and I think there's a lot of good comparisons between, you know, how those businesses operated and how they really built their brands as a big part of the business. And it just, it seems like, you know, it has just been, been able to be maintained better in Europe that a lot of these big brands still exist, whereas many of them have gotten broken up over in the States over here. But We'll be back in just a minute after word from our premier brand sponsor, Cosigo. Well, we're a family-owned company, uh, family-run, only family works in it. And, you know, we're kind of a boutique, as people have said. I'm not sure what boutique means, but that's what we are. When I started this business, helping one lady out who did all of the work herself and just wanted me to look after her property and make sure that the housekeeper got it clean. I thought I was the only person doing this because it was vacation rental by owner. And I wasn't an owner. That's Michael Godfrey, owner operator of Sun Valley, Idaho, Casago franchise. Michael started the business in 2012, growing organically by building relationships and trust within his high-end resort community. I'm a ski instructor. My son's a ski instructor. My daughter's a ski instructor. And that makes you an ambassador right off the bat of Sun Valley. We get tourists in, we get people in that, that look at our lives and just say, oh, if I could ever live a life like this. And we appreciate that. And we know how blessed we are to live this life. And then to have something like this business 
which gets its number one goal is to bring people here and show them how we live and let them experience it also. We asked Michael if he had ever imagined that he would be part of a vacation rental franchise. I had no idea there was even such a thing. I went down there and met with, uh, you know, Casago at their office. And, uh, you know, it was pretty impressive. And I started to realize how we could uh, really piggyback on there and, and bring in their, uh, the resources that they have into our company and not even costing us any more money because we're already paying uh, percentages out to our various purveyors of, uh, uh, you know, different channel masters and, and uh, revenue managers and, and uh, property management software and stuff. And so it's really not a cost. And in many ways, I believe it's going to simplify what we do by putting everything more in one basket and having it so spread out. So Casago offers such a, a large suite of, of um, services that I look at as employees, as having depth. So by going with Casago, I become a much bigger company with no great, uh, with, with no additional uh, expenses. Mm. You know, no overhead. I mean, I don't consider that overhead. And yet I've got the, the um, you know, backing of a large, you know, successful business. By going with them, I just think we can, uh, you know, grow bigger without adding employees and, uh, and having, you know, the depth and knowledge of these guys that really do it well. I've mentioned before, I said, you never know you got in on the ground floor or something until you're on the 10th floor and you're looking back. So. I think it's just, uh, I've met the people there. They're personable. They run their business like we do. It's all about relationship. And, you know, they know stuff. I know stuff. We work together. And, but they're, uh, you know, they've got the resources to, um, to help out when I've got questions. To hear more stories from franchisees like Michael and learn about Casa Go's vacation rental franchise model, visit casago.com forward slash franchise. How, what is what have you what have you seen as the evolution of brand um, within short term rentals? Well, I mean, there's been a lot of consolidation in this side of the pond, if you want to call it that. Um, <laughs> some, some of that I have to be uh, guilty for because I've been driving quite a lot of it. Um, and I guess what struck me was and has struck me is the business models are all different. At the very core, I think you know globally where. We're sort of, you know, matching demand with supply. We're taking people on holiday. We're hoping they have a really good time and they come back. That actually how we do business, how the brands market themselves, whether these brands are consumer brands or or something else. You know, I've seen massive mm -hmm. sort of differences about how people, you know, utilize various different, you know, OTAs or platforms, et cetera. So, you know, big consolidation across and sort of Europe. Um and a big learning for me in my sort of a seven years is that, you know, I naively thought that we could take a model that existed in the UK and with the exact same model in Europe and the exact same model in New Zealand when we bought a business in New Zealand and, uh, you know, the exact same model in the US. And uh, I guess I've been educated over the years that it's very different. Um, they might look the same, but once you start unwrapping the sort of the layers, um, they all operate completely differently, which is why I think there's not been more consolidation. Yeah, it's hard to scale when you've got operations that are so inherently different. I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. I, but one of the things, if I'm not mistaken, and again, this is just going off of like things I've read about the organization, is that when you guys buy a brand or you buy somebody, it becomes 
part of Sykes, but you still let the brand kind of stand on its own. So it's, uh, you know, something by Sykes Holidays. It still has that original um, look and feel to it. Is that is that something that you that you purposely did or is it is it a one off like just you do it with every organization that you buy or? or no, it was, it was, it was very intentional because, uh, yeah, because. We had, we had two approaches. One was to, you know, acquire businesses and then fold them into the parent company, kill the brand and, uh, you know, um, get all the economies of scale and all the synergies, you know, really quite quickly. But what we realized is most of these smaller businesses have been around for 20, 30, 40 years. Right. They, had a, they, they had a soul. They had yeah. a soul in a community. And they were owned by people who were generally still around. They play quite an important part in communities. And the most important thing to retain, apart from the people we were hiring, was the was the properties themselves. Um, yeah. So you wanted to make sure that there was continuity. And we wanted to make sure that um, any owners that were renting the property out with some of these local brands weren't going to be afraid of this big, large, almost corporate company coming along. Um so it also allowed us to have conversations with lots of owners because we talked them through the process and they sort of understood that we weren't going to kill their legacy. We're going to look after it and protect it, but we're going to make it better because we're going to give them, you know, we're going to give them better technology, better capability, that we're going to benefit from everything centrally. Um, but the people would still remain, the brand would still remain, the local offices would still remain, um, but there's more book and less hassle was sort of the the theme. And I mean, that's what we've done. Uh, we've done it 20 odd times and uh, there's an overhead to do it. Um, but we still think it's the right thing to do to retain great properties and great locations. Because there's a reason also why owners choose to list their properties with a professionally managed property yeah. manager in a local area and not stick it on a big platform or stick it on a big uh, property manager. And we had to be sympathetic to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, just to draw that comparison again, you know, when, when people talk about short-term rentals as a new thing, certainly, you know, that it's not a new thing and it's been in, in your, you know, side for many, many, many years. I mean, going back probably 50, 60 years versus, you know, in the States, it's more, you know, 30, 40 years ago that some of the the larger companies that have been around a long time started, but um, it, under the same auspices that it's hard to really to lose those brands once you've, if you're still in business and you've stayed connected with your guests and homeowners and all that time, it, it is hard to get rid of that. And it reminds me a little bit, your model of what Steve Milo is doing in different markets where he's leaving the local brands in place. And I can imagine he could probably look to your, your model as an example when making that decision. Yeah. So, so the, more, but <laughs> yeah, 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 no, yeah. no, no one needs to speak for Steve Milo. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it's very similar. It's very similar to what Steve does. And I think, and I mean, what I will say is um, we don't put any marketing dollars behind any of the local brands other than each brand has a, has a small budget and they can, they can do good with it. You know, they can go to a local a local fair, they can um, they can sponsor a local football team. You know, they can mm-hmm. they can do yeah. something. Oh, a lo- local marketing, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But but the millions and millions of dollars that we spend on marketing all just get piled into the into the sort of a, you know the Sykes brand. And when you look at when you look at booking volume, because all the supply 
goes onto one platform and we can pick and choose where it goes. But most of the booking volume, 85% of the volume comes through Sykes because it's a powerhouse and it gets, you know, yeah. 50, 55 million visits a year. Now, are they all on the same software, property management mm. systems or they are? Okay. So that's one thing you do convert them over. Is it a yeah. custom system or? Yes. 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 And um, we yeah. build, we build, uh, build by ourselves along with a revenue management system, along with our AB multivariate test, pretty much everything. We have 200 engineers. And wow. So wow. Wow. everything we have, we sort of build ourselves other than Salesforce and as you would expect, you know, platforms yeah. like that. So mm -hmm. what normally happens is we acquire a business. We normally wait about, normally it's, you know, up to three months where we learn. Because what we found is, you know, Everything that we do in Sykes is not always the best way of doing things. Quite often we'll go into a local brand and we'll discover that this brand is brilliant at, you know. Yeah, one, th one thing. Management, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, whatever it may be. And so we learn from it. And then eventually we sort of say, well, that's really good. Let's replicate that across the business. Um, and so, that you know, there's a sort of a relationship going on where we learn, we understand, and then we deploy our technology. And then we take some of the lessons learned. Um, and, and, you know, as, as I said, we've done it 20, 24, 25, I lose count, 24, 25 times. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and, and it's worked, it's worked pretty well. And, and, and as you said, I mean, so Sykes is 30, what's Sykes now? Uh, 31 years old as a brand. Uh, okay. Forest, Forest Holidays, interestingly, is 50 this year. Okay, wow. So, and that, you know, that was one of the original sort of early vacation rental sort of. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, these. But some of the brands I bought, um, one of the brands that we own, Helpful Holidays, that I think is about 45 year old as a brand, um, yeah. still in the same location it was 45 years ago. It's fascinating yeah. when you go visit them and you see the old catalogs and the old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, I mean, that's 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 so our, our markets here, too. I mean, the yeah. brochures and everything that we we all used to do and some companies still do. them. I just had a conversation with somebody earlier about you know, direct mail actually is still quite effective if you can if you can do it cost effectively. Um, it really does make an impact since people don't do it quite as much anymore. But <laughs> yeah, all, all, all we're trying to do is. The reason we do it is we want to find really good properties in good locations yeah. and we want to hopefully deliver a really good service and, and hold on to that supply, you know, for the average lifetime value, which is about six years in our portfolio, approximately. Um, and sometimes the only way to get the best supply is to go and buy businesses that already have it. Sure. And sometimes and sometimes you'll pay a lot of money for them. Um, yeah. And we don't really care what we pay for a business within reason. What we care is how much value can that business help us create in our portfolio. Right, right. So how did how did you guys, uh, uh, managing a portfolio the size that you do, how did you guys get through COVID? I mean, you, Europe had a much tougher time, I think, than the U.S. did because we're a little fast and loose with rules over here, I think, more so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, I mean, you definitely, I, do you feel like you guys are like on, you know, on the upswing? I mean, doing how we were two years ago when we came out of COVID? Are you still um, No, I mean, look, two things, um, alcohol and Valium. Um, oh, <laughs> that's all it takes. It was hell, I'll be honest with you. It was one of the mm -hmm. probably most difficult, challenging times in my career. Um, it, it, you know, we, we went through a situation where we had, I think we had something like, 
100,000 bookings that were instantly impacted because we were in lockdown. Right. Um, and, and what was happening was all of those people were calling us and demanding their money back mm-hmm. because at the same time, some people were losing their jobs. Some people didn't know, you know what was happening. It was all that uncertainty. Now, remember, we're an agent and we work on behalf of an owner. And, you know, the legal construct really is a, is a contract between a, a, a consumer and an owner. And we act as that middleman. And when we, when we create a booking, that's when we fulfill a service and we take a commission and, and so forth. So it got really quite messy um, because we pay our owners in advance mm-hmm. of, people, oh. of people going into the properties and yeah. help with cash flow. So you have all these people who we've collected the money, but then we've given the money to the owners. And then there are people that are asking for the money back. So they're therefore calling us to ask for the money back. And we didn't have it because we've given it to the owners. And wow. trying, to get, trying to get it back was not easy. Um, sure. Yeah. The consumers didn't care. So yeah, it was three or four months of hell, I would say. Um, and, and, you know, we were, we were taking about 10,000 phone calls a day. You know, to give an idea of the volume. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. During that 18 month period, we offered um, 154 million sterling of refunds. Oh my gosh. Back back to consumers. Um, But when the government said that people could travel in the UK, and every week it was a different message, but as soon as they did say they could travel, then we were, you know, there was 10,000 people calling for their money back, but there was also 10,000 people, you know, calling or, going onto the website, trying to book a holiday. So it was like um, famine to feast in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. say it was like, it was like Black Friday in reverse yeah. for all of yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, doing all the refunds. But, but, but we learned a lot. I mean, I think we came out of the pandemic stronger as a business. You know, the, our people were more resilient. Um, we managed to get a lot of technology developed really quite quickly for some reason. All still it's all still a mystery to me how we managed yeah. to get done so quickly. Um, but as a team, we were sort of a strong and actually all of our, you know, we never had made a single person redundant. Um, everybody was still there. Um, you know, our investors were great. So oh, that's good. It, it proved to us we're a good, resilient sort of a business. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to call that a distant memory because it's still, it's still there. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for two years, we were just riding that roller coaster you know, yeah. through 2020, 2021, 2022, a relatively normal year. And 2023, if I look at now, it's sort of a going back to similar, similar booking pace and pattern to 2019. So okay. pre, yeah. Pre yeah. Sort of a um, which is, which is challenging because all, most of our models, we tend to use historical models to, yeah. you know, and, and so we're having to like play around with all different things to understand pace curves, et cetera. But um. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a challenging time. Alex and I and, and all the people that we've talked to on the show is that COVID, the people that were able to survive through COVID as a business, it it made everybody stronger as in it, like mm. as the industry as a whole, like the voice became stronger, the, the collaboration became more prevalent, the technology advancements. Again, how could we couldn't advance that much technology two years prior, you know, it would have been great to have mm-hmm. some of this stuff. But yeah, I think that COVID was as horrible as it was for everybody globally for our industry was probably the best thing that could have happened in terms of just like just really turning us around and giving us again a voice and a collective um, mission to, to make a be- the industry better. The, the mo- one of the most important things that we focused on is um, 
and this is not probably going to sound the way I want it to sound, but we have a lot of demand. We've always had a lot of demand. And, you know, in, in the UK and in Europe, parts of Europe, it, you know, it is a different model from, I know how the model operates from a demand generation in, in say, the US. 85% of our bookings are are coming to us direct. Um, wow. And for every one person that, you know, so 100 people that visit the, web, the website, one person buys. So there's there a loss of excess yeah. demand. What we what we focused on during COVID was we have to protect our owners because mm-hmm. that is critical for the yeah. future. We need to stand in front of our owners. Yeah. And even though legally we don't have to, we're an agent and we could hide behind all of that. It was important because, you know, coming out of the other side of it, you know, our owners will remember why they are, you know, they are chosen to rent a property with a yeah. professional property manager and not a platform. And we could see what some of the big platforms were doing and we could see the impact that was having on owners. And we started to get more and more owners who were coming from, I won't name them, but you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Decent service yesterday. And that, yeah. some of those platforms and, you know, some of those owners were coming over saying, no, no, we know maybe the commission's a bit more, but actually we recognize the value that you guys are bringing as professionally managed and uh, property managers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the owner should be at the center of everything that you do and protecting their assets is, is the most important part of the job really. And I think a lot of companies, you know, over in the United States did similar that they protected the owners and they, they didn't refund hundred percent of monies and, um, we saw the same thing. The demand was just so excessive on the other side of it that it ended up being okay. Of course, Airbnb ran with the narrative and made it seem like, you know, they were the heroes to be refunding the guests. But I think ultimately it's still, it, it's panned out well in all of our favor that, you know, taking the homeowner's side was the right thing to do. But I'm curious, do you still pay the owners in advance now? Or did that, did that change at all after COVID? We, we went and asked the owners during COVID, um, do you want to continue to be paid in advance or do you want to be paid in arrears? Um, and interestingly, 50% of our owners pick to be paid in arrears. Um, because actually it was easier for them because they didn't want the hassle of like, you know, refunding yeah, back yeah, to yeah, us and yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, but 50% of them still needed that cash flow to pay their mortgage mm-hmm. um, yeah. or to pay their bills or whatever. So yeah, it's yeah. about a 50, 50 split at the moment, but we, we, we make it the owner's choice, you know, they can pick and choose. And again, it's just something that we do that's different yeah. from the norm. Um, yeah. And, you know, you know, some owners quite like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it in ski markets in the U S there's a few pockets of companies that do it. And I imagine enduring something like as large as COVID that has to be like a very scary process to be in the middle of that fight. Cause you understand both sides of it. But I wanted to ask you about your distribution. Cause I feel like one of the things that I've heard often about Sykes and you just said it like 85% of your business is direct. So you don't do, you don't have to do a lot of distribution. Um, but what do you do to supplement, you know, are you, cause I, and you look at, you look at numbers out of Europe and there was actually one that was on um, with a, with a channel provider the other day um, and key data, they had did a, done a webinar and they highlighted the fact that in Europe, it's very heavy channels where in the U S it's very heavy direct. And so from, you know, I work for a channel, so we are constantly having the conversation, diversifying your distribution, but you look at the, you look at some of the Europe numbers again, and I don't know how much it includes of your, your data points. Um, but it, it would appear that the larger channel players 
having much larger stake of or grab share of the of the bookings than what um, you you guys are getting. You, know, you guys are getting are very direct, so you're not giving them a lot of it. But it seems like it's very lopsided from what the U.S. is. So you have a, obviously a good strategy, and I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. Your direct booking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so we so we spend a lot of money in marketing that helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having a budget helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Having a budget helps. Um, so we spend about um, sterling here. Um, yeah, Hello. It's probably worth as much as a dollar, but um, <laughs> 35 million a year, roughly. Um, we sort of spend in marketing. Um, most of our marketing is uh, digital. So measurable direct response. Yeah. There's maybe, there's maybe a couple of million that we spend and above the line. So we'll do TV campaigns radio brand marketing but most of it is you know if i spend I spend one dollar i need one dollar fifty back and you know yeah. pick and choose, we pick and choose the channels in our marketing departments um you know we have i think there's about 120 wow department now so it shows you the idea and they're, yeah. they're obviously they're obviously split into disciplines around mm-hmm. customer relationship management you know crm sure. and, yeah and, and their primary objective is um Rebook great. So we measure. Yeah, yeah keeping those measure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we measure Rebook and we look at our total active base and we try to get about 50% of our people who've booked with us before to book mm-hmm. again. Um, yeah. We obviously then have a large search and optimization team. You know, they're mm-hmm. constantly writing copy or outbound campaigns or digital SEO. Um, yeah. We have a large paid media campaign, you know, working with your your Google and you know your your Bing or whatever it may be. We have a growing um, social media um, team who will spend time. It's it's more difficult to get the direct response on the social media. But, it is, yeah. But if you've got it's for the brand, is so important. Yeah, if you've got yeah. millions of people there, you sort of have got to yeah. be there. And yeah. and so I take a view on things like TikTok. You know, I don't really care. I just need you to be there. Um, or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. However, however, you do have to be careful because what we found during COVID is the social media channels were the most aggressive um, in terms of you know the interactions and from a negative point of view. Um, mm-hmm. We we obviously have a partnerships team, so we have about. 700 partners we work with, um, you know, various different guys. Some of them we're fully powering their sort of a website. Some of them are for parties like a booking.com. Um, um, and then, uh, we, we, we then have, um, we then have a brand team, you know, doing all the brand sort of marketing as well. Um, so yeah, so those are all the sort of the disciplines and obviously what, what, what we do are budgets annually, we sit down and say, you know, how many sessions do we need? How do these sessions convert? How does it look across the different devices? How much of the traffic is going to come through mobile versus app, et cetera? We set our targets, we build the annual sort of a budget, and then we um then we just monitor people against it and we'll we'll pivot and we'll adapt. But you know, that's pretty much how it works. And it's um it's been pretty successful. Now we do know um that we could probably increase we could probably increase the volume if we use some of the for party channels. Um but we like to control the distribution. We like to control yeah. the customer. Yeah. We know there's value in us having ownership of that customer. So we're not so seduced by more profit mm-hmm. than we are by having the control. And it's yeah. about right. It's about yeah. yeah. So are you, the, the marketing that you're doing is bringing guests back to Sykes Holidays, not directly to the individual brands since they manage their own 
local budgets? Is that how it works? No, it's it all all the so most of that fairly odd million is on Sykes. Okay, so yeah. it's all bringing people into Sykes, and so you know the 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 brands. Most of the traffic on the brands are is either organic traffic, yeah. so SEO because they have history, they have legacy. The contents are unique in the brands. So although we have duplicate properties, all the content is written unique for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then um, there's a small amount, as, as we said, that of sort of marketing. So Sykes is the powerhouse that just drives all the volume. Um, and, and, and that's where all the marketing goes behind. Yeah, that's great. I mean, if you're still 50% rebooking, that's great that they're still remembering yeah. to go back to Sykes to, to rebook and not just going directly to the local brand, which I guess if they do that, that's not a bad thing for you. But I mean, with your main emphasis from an advertising standpoint on driving it to Sykes, it makes a lot of sense. And um, very similarly, reminds me of um, what we're doing at Costco, of course, too. <laughs> so different models, but um, it's going after the same thing. <laughs> You, you've, got to be care- you've got to be careful as well. And it, it's like really complicated math because yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to give you an example and hopefully, hopefully it makes sense. If you <laughs> buy, if you buy a business that, um, it, you know, is really good at selling uh, in high season, you know, they, they, they the, the properties are so good, they don't need to do marketing and they're really good mm-hmm. at selling in July and August. So the cost per acquisition of that consumer is really low. What you don't want to do is to put that property onto a platform like Sykes, where the cost per acquisition could be much higher because it's like a blended cost per acquisition. So we have this thing called the switchboard. And if you imagine, you know, like a big, someone who's operating multiple train tracks at the same time and deciding which property goes on where, goes on which marketing channel to optimize the blended cost per acquisition, um, make it most effective to drive it down as low as you possibly can. So, and, and and that's what the teams do. We also we also incentivize um, customers to come back direct, you know, through yeah. campaigns. So yeah. in January, seventy five percent of everybody who booked a holiday with us downloaded our app um, before they went on holiday, um, and then we use that to send push notifications. Um, you might get a little cheeky voucher on the day that you're due to, you know, come home to asking you to rebook, etc. Because I would rather. Yeah. I'd rather give a consumer, you know, 30 bucks to rebook than give it to Google. So we yeah. do a lot of um, a lot of campaigns to try and encourage people to sort of come back. And then we do loyalty campaigns as well. So we have a discount and a loyalty program that, you know, the more you book of us, the, the more benefits you get as well. I was going to ask you, because you have so much inventory, like, did you have some sort of loyalty program? But how many members do you have that participate in that? To be honest, with you, I don't know. I really don't know. It, yes. It's, it's, um, it's in the hundreds of thousands. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would be making a number up if I told you. Know, <laughs> um, is that a system that you built or is that an off the shelf product? Um, actually, yeah. that, that one is um, Salesforce. Oh, oh really? Interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that's, nobody, that's... Nobody's quite gotten loyalty right, I don't think, in vacation rentals yet. And I think a lot of it comes down to the complexities on the tech side of things because especially if you're a multi-market player, that one, that's when loyalty makes the most sense to implement. But uh, it also is difficult when you've got different margins, depending on properties and locations and things like that. Um, it's it's really, it's like building a matrix around it. I'm sure somebody can do it, but <laughs> to, to my knowledge, no one's really done it quite quite well. But what, what other uh, technology? No, Mar- you- Mar- Marriott, 
could probably do a very good job of it. For, for sure. Hotel. Yes. But, yeah. and, and I, you know, I mean, they brought in vacation rental as part of that, but yeah. as a vacation rental, you know, company, I haven't seen any. I think I, I, and, and this may be slightly controversial, but um, because we control the supply and we have all these great homes in great locations and the only place you really can buy them is with us, that breeds well, loyalty in yeah. a weird because yeah, like a hundred percent does. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I always, uh, I mean, I know it's easy to say, but you know, controlling your distribution, you just say controlling yeah. your supply can control your distribution. Um, you know, making it available to everybody, um, you know, on every single platform, it's just not something that we ever wanted to do. So therefore, if you want the best houses in Cornwall, the Lake district or whatever, you got to come to us because we got them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you make your own rules when you're in that position yeah. to be, you know, 85% book direct. That's that, uh, let's, lets you do things that other companies can't do. And it really, it puts you in a good, good position to, you know, really be able to structure things, um, how it makes sense for your business and not have to go with what the OTAs want, want to stress or the different things that they can do to change how you have to operate, but it's not something that everybody can do. And certainly being a volume and size makes, makes a big difference. But I, I was also curious what other things within your tech stack, what, what do you outsource versus what is built? I know that you said the PMS was, was built in house, but what other things are on your, um, not a lot. So I'll try and explain our tech, how it works. So, so if you think of, um, back-end technology platform, mm -hmm. and then you think of um, front-end product. And that's how we split. So we have, you know, we have, it's actually about 100 in each department. So about 100 people in the product. And the products team, um, what they're doing is constantly trying to improve conversion on the website and constantly trying to build new experiences on the website or constantly trying to increase the net promoter score through the website, um, et cetera, et cetera. And what they're running is um, thousands of multivariate or AB tests, you know, and they're trying to fail about 80% of the time and have success 20% of the time. Um, and we built all of that platform ourselves to sort of run that. So it's very, very complicated. And, you know, most of the, or a lot of that people, the leadership came from booking.com because who are masters at this. And we just sort of that. We hired a lot of them and then suddenly we just productionized it. And so yeah. we loop, when you've got so much volume, you're looking for all those marginal gains constantly. Um, and the way that we split that team up is we split them into, into different squads, um, you know, that are responsible for different parts of the website. You know, someone's responsible for search, someone's responsible for checkout, someone's responsible for landing pages. And we build it out that way. Um, and then we have an app team as well. Um, you know, and so forth. And then your backend platform and, you know, um, and a, a PMS system, backend is really, you know, platform and data. So within data, we have data engineers, data scientists, data analysts, um, and they work in this principle of, you know, taking your data, turning it into insight and then creating action that creates value. So lots of lots of really smart people doing lots of clever things. Um, and then we have the platform teams that are really looking at the core um, property management system um, in terms of enhancing it and building out new functionality and maintaining it and supporting it and deploying it into different countries or into different brands, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there's a few other nuances sort of in there, but that's the, the structure of how we sort of set up. Um, and the teams basically, it's all agile development. They're working on sprints generally every two to three weeks. 
Um, and they're probably doing about five releases a day in terms of wow. the amount of stuff that's coming off the production line. Um, yeah. And all of that links back to how does it support our customers, how does it support our owners, and how does it support our employees? As the right. free, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah the three, yeah, three, three stakeholders, stakeholders. Three customers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I can see why you have two hundred people within that department yeah. because, I mean, that's hundred percent necessary at, at that volume, and it makes sense to have separate a separate team working on the property management system versus the website. And a lot of times in the um, tech that that we've built in the in the US, you have one team internally that's working on that, and it's like everybody's just going in a million different directions with. Like there's fires everywhere, so <laughs> it sounds like it's been organized a little bit. Yeah, but it's 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 it, it, it's far from perfect. Don't get me wrong, but you know, um, there's still 1,800 people in our organization doing other stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it gives you, yeah, it gives you it yeah. gives you an idea. You know, there's there's you know there's a lot of people that are um, customer facing that are that are sort of in properties, cleaning properties, maintenance yeah. of properties, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of operational staff as well. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you guys, um, how do you, I don't even know how to ask this question. Operationally, when you go into, uh, you know, into a market, you mentioned that, you know, can you go into these, these organizations and sometimes you, you find that they have a better efficiency or a better way of doing it. And I would imagine that some of these older organizations, they're not tech forward thinking savvy people and they've been doing it again everything's written in a book they had their accounting is in a ledger you know handwritten ledger that that type of thing how do you educate those businesses and kind of transition them over to the technology while incorporating the efficiencies that maybe they have so that it is a smooth um, transition not only for the owner who's on their plan but then for the guest who's always been booking with them that has to be um when you're doing it at scale in multiple different markets i mean there i'm sure you have some sort of format that you roll out but i'd love yeah. to hear about that we, we have integration teams okay so we have people who's think of them as horizontals that sit across the whole organization that go in and then they spend time they listen they learn they understand they try to work out whether we have one of these things in the organization already that can benefit this business or whether we can build something that will benefit this business we require, but also then benefit the rest of the organization. Um, so I'll give you a good example, um, slightly different. You know, so when we when we acquired a business in New Zealand, um, New Zealand is uh, like a hundred percent managed service. At, you know, as in, you know, the two thousand plus or two thousand four hundred properties there. We we sort of do full managed service, looking after everything for those particular owners. Um, so you can imagine there's a lot of um, operational, you know, linen cleaning, maintenance, a lot of that stuff going on. We don't have so much of that in the UK, um, but they had built a pretty good um, system internally to sort of handle it. But it couldn't scale. It couldn't. We we could reutilize it across the UK. So. There was a local engineering team there. So we used some of our people in the UK. We augmented them to some of the people locally. And then we built a new platform based on their knowledge, based on their understanding. Oh, wow. And, wow. and, and then, then we back flushed it back into the UK to say, not only can this support the New Zealand business now, and it's nice and new and shiny, but actually how can we start to use it in our businesses in the UK? Um, but it was engineered effectively by the local team, just augmented by some of the team back in the UK. And we've done that a few times um, mm -hmm. in terms of sort of a copying it. Um, we, we do often find that we go in and we find some really good ideas, it's really good ways of working, and we will help productionize it. So, you know, I can give you an example. One business that, that, that we acquired, a really high-end business, high-touch service, 
did everything for the owners, high net worth individuals. But, you know, they were spending all of the time, you know, um, writing invoices out for light bulbs and, you know, hugs mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. It just We just went in and looked at it and said, this is amazing what you do. And we can see the value here. But let us help, let us help you productionize this. You know, let us help you um, right. build yeah. this into a system so we can make the whole thing really smooth. And you can spend your time on service, mm-hmm. not writing invoices or, or, you know, doing all these various different things as well. Um, yeah. But we want you to retain the expertise and the thinking, but use technology. We've always come in from the approach of the reason why we have 2,000 people is um, we are not a, we're a technology-driven company, but we use people that we use our human capital to hopefully deliver exceptional service. What I'm always looking at is I don't want the really clever, smart people I have doing tasks that could be done by technology that don't have a lot of value, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to, to the yeah. end stakeholder. Yeah. yeah. But actually being there at, you know, 10 o'clock at night on the phone when there's a you know problem with your boiler and be able to service that and deal with it, that has value. But I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Being able to answer the phone to add an addi- additional pet onto your booking, that doesn't have yeah. value. So let's, right. let's use the technology to do that. So and that, and that's yeah. our approach constantly. And I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of these businesses that the, the light bulb comes on. They're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that it could be so much better, but they just didn't, yeah. know. They didn't know what they didn't know in terms of what the technology could provide for them. So that's great that you yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah and, all, and, all the, and all the financial reporting and all the, everything comes out of the box on our platform. Okay. So, you know, so you, we, we acquire businesses and we go in and they have a, a brochure, um, you know, and they're doing, you know, basic pricing. And then suddenly they've got yeah. the most sophisticated, incredible dynamic pricing tool or everyday pricing module that just comes out of the box. Right. Um, and, you know, that just gets fed into our system. And so that that's really good because obviously it helps us understand uh, how we can create more value and it benefits the owners as well. So all of that stuff is a real plus. Yeah, the economies of scale you know, clearly work in a lot of situations like that. That's definitely one of the benefits that Picasa has had in the situations where they they do come in and, and it is a, a good situation for that market. But um, we we see it often at Casaco too that you know these companies that they they knew that they needed more help on the back office side, and then the revenue management piece. A lot of them have not been doing revenue management prior, and it's you know sometimes it's small things, but it's small things can make a massive impact if done the right way. And I'm sure you see that all the time in these different acquisitions. So there's a big, good benefit. <laughs> one, of the, one of the big things, and you, you've probably heard me spoke about this before, is Net Promoter Score. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, we have a lot of, the, they're all really great businesses, but what they weren't doing is really monitoring the performance mm-hmm. of say, individual properties mm-hmm. and, and looking at, you know, the quality, the feedback on the maintenance, the feedback on the cleanliness, and the accuracy of descriptions, Et cetera, et cetera. So we put this really rigorous process into all of these businesses, and then we're able to really lift up the quality and the net promoter score. And, and when there's some bad behavior, you're able to catch it really quite quickly and do something about it. And then that just created this flywheel effect of, you know, like, you know, well, the owners yeah. are generally happier, guests are happier, there's less noise in the business, and, and there's, you know, just better quality. You know, and that that's made a real difference. And every single brand that we have has these targets, has these measures, has this feedback, has people that are looking at all the detractors, and we've productionized a lot of it as well to um, to try and enhance the overall experience. What is your uh, what is your overall? I mean, and I don't know; it might be different by 
area, but your attrition rate for owners leaving the program versus coming on or vice versa? 15%. Really? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Two, two, thirds of, two thirds of that. It's um, quite difficult to influence because the biggest single reason people leaving us is selling the property. Sure. Um, and although that is an opportunity in itself, but that's maybe another podcast. Um, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so about 15% sort of believers. Um, within that, there's probably about two or 3% also forced churn where we're like, you know, your net promoter score is not good enough. Yeah, not a good relationship. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it does happen. Um, and then the remaining part is either we've not done a good job or we haven't managed expectations. Um, mm-hmm. uh, or it just is, the, the return is just not good enough. You know, it's sure. um, my heating bill's gone up by 25% and you put my prices up by five. Mm-hmm. And that's work and my, my mortgage, my interest rates have gone up. You know, it's a 40 year high in interest rates in the UK and inflation is, you know, yeah. 10.1%. So some of it, some of it is that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so what would be next, Graham? I mean, what's, what's your big motivation for 2023 for, for the company and also personally? Um, well, as I explained at the beginning, you know, we're this sort of a group now and, uh, yeah. you know, when it comes to property management and agency in the UK, genuinely we're running out of supply a little bit, which is a weird thing to say, but yeah. you know, we're growing so fast and, uh, you know, it's difficult, it's difficult to influence some of the supply that's still there because it's second homes that aren't rented out. It's quite difficult to influence them or it's um, second homes that are rented out on Airbnb or Booker.com and, Again, it's not quite so easy to influence them, although that is a growing part of our portfolio. Um, so, so I think, you know, on the agency side, we're going to just keep doing what we're doing. You know, organically, we have to onboard about 6,000 properties a year almost to stand still. Um, it's not quite that, but that's the target. You know, this year, I think it's 7,000. We'll continue to look at some m opportunities. But also, as I explained, we have these other businesses, we have these other divisions. So we'll... You know, we've just opened a new location in um, in South Wales where we've built 60 new cabins in the forest working with the public land in the UK through the Forestry Commission. We're just about to then um, start building another one in Scotland. Um, and so there's a lot of them that will come in and they bring in new supply. And because we own them, the margin is quite different. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we run and we own and we operate them. So so more of them. Um and also in the caravan market, we've just done some really interesting things on technology and deployed some new technology in our platform to try and accelerate our growth in that market as well. New Zealand is coming out of COVID. I mean, they're, you know, they're yeah. a slower burn, um, but actually they're doing really well. So it's now reigniting our, I guess, our spark in New Zealand and Australia to understand what we should be doing there in terms of M&A and then maybe heading from Auckland into Melbourne or that sort of East Coast. Um, you know, we have looked long and hard at Europe and the US, um, but it, it, it's not something that, you know, uh, we'll be rushing into because there is lots of other headroom and other things that we that we can do in the UK. Um, it fascinates us and we think the US in particular is a is an amazing opportunity. But um but it's but it's uh you have to be eyes wide open um because mm-hmm. the the market's different. Um, the players are different. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, buying a smallish business for maybe, you know, $20, 30000000 million 
doesn't really scratch the surface of what we really need to do, given the size we are and how transformative. Um, so if it has to be something, it has to be probably more strategic and sort of a larger. And I guess we'll see, you know, there's a lot of movement happening in your market in the US. So yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll see. Think- <laughs> There's some, there's a, there's some big players that might have some inventory on the market. I was gonna say you, you could <laughs> buy, buy a Vacasa. I mean, yeah, have one big buy, so a bunch of little ones. Yeah, the thing the thing is, right, you know, we, we have to know how we can add value. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's just not quite as straightforward because it would be very arrogant and naive of us to say that we can come and suddenly we have eighty five percent of our bookings direct because that's the model in the UK. Yeah, it's not the same. The way consumers search for vacation rentals, and I mean, um, you guys know better than me, it's so different. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. The market is so different. So we have to be careful. And I know um, having businesses that have so much managed service and have so many employees delivering that, that that scares me a little bit as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe more niche specialist, high end probably more appropriate but listen we've got plenty of things to do in here in the uk and me personally i don't know i'm just trying to survive <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, that's, that's a lot on your plate <laughs> yeah no, no, i'm just trying just trying to survive you know where i am you know we we're building a house at the moment in scotland uh, where i'm from being told my accent oh, how nice. um, and uh that that that's slowly killing us because uh, it's uh Oak. Yeah. 300 miles from where i live and uh right Let's just say the tradesmen and the builders are not really doing what, I, what I'm asking them to do. They never and, do. <laughs> I don't I don't say, I'm that, not that that, that's a safe in the U.S. Yeah, problem here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about the bees? Where are the yeah, bees going to so, live? Yeah, right yeah. So, no, my bees, my bees are fine. My bees are outside. It's getting dark now here, and um, so the bees, <laughs> the bees will be sleeping uh, now. But uh, yeah, no, I, um, I'll, I'll continue to expand my. To be honest with you, I don't need to do much to expand the bee colony because they do it themselves. They do, uh, do it themselves. Yeah, and basically, they don't uh, scale. They, yeah, the. The um when the bees are unhappy with their queen, they make another one and then oh. it just it just grows from there. Yeah. Um, interesting. They're decisive. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I'm very lucky. I live in the countryside, so I have quite a large garden. So we spend a lot of time in the garden and sort of a reconnecting with nature. And we have we have fish, we have chickens, we have a little, you know, lots of little animals sort of outside. So spending more time there. But um but yeah, it's just super busy. We're we're spending a lot of time in the organization balancing. Um, I mean, we're very profitable, um, which is again unusual for vacation rental companies. But you know, we're, we're 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 a large scale profitable sort of a company. But I think in the last two years, we've recognised that we need to do more than just make money. Um, so we've been balancing our profit with our people, with our um, purpose, and how we think about our planet. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a lot of activity in the organization about um, really measuring what we should be doing and giving back to the environment, really thinking about what we do in social and communities. We're at the end of becoming, a, you know, the verification process, we're becoming a B Corp, both the Sykes business and the Forest Holidays business as well. Um, and we're spending a lot of time just um, figuring out basically how we can just be a better corporate citizen. And, yeah. things. and that's fascinating as well. There's a real educational process for me, but also how how much our employees are really embracing um, the fact that we're doing it. And, the, you know, people want to work for businesses that are balancing that profit and purpose um, yeah. and giving back and encouraging people to, you know, to volunteer their time, 
free of charge or that we pay for and you know um, really reconnecting back with communities and started to measure all the things through our data that we don't measure before around you know how we use our energy how we use our water how we influence our owners how we think about the suppliers etc so that's that, yeah. that's been really interesting yeah well, i did notice that you guys did um for valentine's day you had a, a bring your dog to work day and did i didn't see pictures of the kissing booths with the dogs but that speaks to <laughs> alex and i we're, we are we are dog lovers so we would yeah. absolutely <laughs> sign up to be part of that but it, it yes. speaks to the where you guys are with the company is that you understand that they're you know people are more than just their job and their role they're they're so much more and their their dogs are their humans and and they're part of the family and by incorporating all of that you're allowing them to live their life in their job and not make their job their life. Exactly. There's a lot that's respectable on that too that yeah. if you were a company that maybe this isn't something in the past that you focused on quite as much to get to that point where you're at now that you know that is you're you're cognizant of it and also in a position financially that things are going well that you can focus on it that's a good place to be. Yeah, and I think and the good thing, you know, from our point of view, I mean we're we're private equity backed and, you know, we have these overlords right, yeah. private equity, but, but these guys as well, they recognize that they have responsibility as well. So that, yeah. that's really, very cool. But yeah, um, our office during um, doggy day is the most fun place. There's no work <laughs> at all. That's awesome. Um, but there is, uh, it is pretty awesome. And, um, you know, they do say, they do say that your, um, your pet can look like your owner. And when we're doing the kissing booths, it's amazing how many of these pets. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, really? Oh <laughs> yeah. I, I can definitely, yeah, relate to that for sure. I, I several <laughs> friends and my own included, I think, <laughs> that fit into that category. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's great. Now, Graham, are you going to be coming to any of the events in the U.S. this year? Any of the BRMA events? Or any, any yeah. Yeah. I'm planning to come to uh, International. Um, and, uh, there's probably a few other things I might actually be coming across to focus right and a few different things as well, but uh, my diary is a bit crazy and it's a bit nuts, but I, I try to make sure I come across at least two or three times a year. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, we look forward to, wait to connect with you in person then. This yeah. has been enlightening and, and just exciting to hear more about it. I always have kind of you know, known what Sykes was, but not to this level. And I think probably a lot of our audience would feel the same, but very impressive. And we appreciate you being thank here you. today. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Very kind of you. If anybody, anybody wants to contact you, <laughs> what's the best way to get in touch? It's probably best just to um, contact me on LinkedIn. Probably the easiest way of doing it. Um, okay. It's simple. You know, I can reach out. And we're, we're a pretty open organization. I'm pretty open as a CEO as well. So generally anything that we can help and share and learn from others, we're very happy to do it. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. If anybody wants to contact Annie and I, you can go to alexandannypodcast.com. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love to get a, a review. If you can review us on any podcast app that you listen to, it'll help us uh, the show grow. And until next time, thank you, everybody.